Well, I knew this episode would be fun, but I didn't think it would be as impactful for me as it ended up being. I invited Maggie McClurkin, brand manager at Softway and producer of the show, as well as Chelsea Atkinson, a founding member of Culture Plus, to join me in a casual conversation about what culture looks like from the perspective of middle management. Uh, the resulting conversation almost moves me to tears. So enjoy. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. I have the giggles because this is our sixth take starting it, but I'm not <laughs> restarting this one anymore. My guests are making me laugh and this is going to be a theme. We are here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we, of course, believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma, and I am here to have conversations that will hopefully be not too distracting as I keep being made to laugh by my two good friends here, but I'm excited to talk to our guests today. Uh, first of which you might already know, Maggie McClurkin has been on the show before, and she's always on the show. You just don't always see her because she is the executive producer for this show. She's also brand manager for Softway. Uh, and we also have Chelsea Atkinson, who is a founding member of Culture Plus, who's also worked with, uh, alongside me at Softway for quite some time. And so I have quite the good relationship, I hope, I mean, I think we do, um, with both of you. And that's why I'm very excited to have a conversation. Hello, Maggie. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Excellent. And hello, Chelsea. Welcome to the show for the first time. Hello. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, I was invited previously, but I was on maternity leave and wasn't about to cut that short for you guys. So I'm happy. I'm ready. I'm here. Thank you. Um, you are forgiven. So we always start with icebreakers for guests. So Maggie, you know this. So we'll start with you, Maggie, since you know you you, you might be ready. Er, mm -hmm. um, but I'll keep it simple today. Um, what's something about you that might surprise? people when they hear it for the first time? Hmm. Well, well, okay. I don't know if this is, I'll just say it, whatever. It's fine. We're not sponsored by anyone or this person or this brand. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I have a lifetime ban. I'm on the lifetime blacklist from LA Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I need is that, to tap into this at some point. I need to hear the story. Oh my gosh. We I can never time, set but... foot. I can never set foot in an LA fitness again. Is this is this the end of your answer or or I, um, I can totally see how this reasons, would be too much. For legal reasons I can't go further, but <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean right. not really. It's not that serious, but I really can't. Oh, that'd be cool if it was. What an amazing <laughs> answer. Chelsea, yeah. not I don't know how you're gonna follow that, but what what's something that would surprise people when they hear it about you? I can absolutely follow that. And it's just another tally on our list of why Maggie and I are made to partner for life, which is I too am banned from a movie theater in Pearland, Texas. <laughs> are these like, when you say this, is this like from when you guys were like young and is just standing or is this a more yes. recent thing? This happened this year. <laughs> I was okay. I was not expecting that. Mine was from so, like seventh grade. 
So no, it's I'm not a competition, even, but I'm, Maggie yeah. wins. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm even further intrigued now that this was this year. Um, if you're listening, um, send us a message, leave a comment if you like an episode just about LA Fitness situation. <laughs> LA Fitness, if you're listening, which I know you are listening because you listen to our podcast every week, um, we do take sponsorship inquiries. So <laughs> <laughs> Still, always plug. the executive producer. Okay. It. So why did I uh, f- somewhat force you all to join me today in today's episode? Um, I want to talk about, um, I wanted, first of all, the other guys to go away. Mohammed, <laughs> get out of here. CEO, out of here. Vice president, out of here. Um, I want to talk about what we, what we always talk about, but from a different lens. And I think um, I want to open by saying and setting setting the stage, saying what we what we work about uh, talk about in love as business strategies always from a really very real place. We all believe it very much, but one of the core messages around behavior change and being able to address our mindsets and building trust and all this stuff. A lot of that ownership is put on leader, and rightfully so. We always come in from the top and say leaders have to want to change. Leaders have to shift their mindsets. Leaders have to have the right behaviors. Um, to make an organization successful. So laying that foundation down, the reality is that the lesser had conversation is that leaders are human as well. And, and therefore, it like any other human, this journey takes time. It looks different for different people. And um, that leaves kind of a void that organizations can be in because this is a movement that everybody's experiencing in terms of culture change and the desire for workplaces to change. And a lot of workplaces aren't just black and white. It's not like great culture or bad culture. It's not just great CEO, bad CEO. We're finding just environments where, you know, we're all trying. A lot of us are just all trying. Um, and so I want to have that conversation kind of from a a middle management perspective. So leaders in spaces which we all are, the three of us that aren't at the very top, um, but still, uh, I mean, I would argue like the most important kind of layer, right? Where you work with everyone down to like the people with, who are hands on, but you also have to sometimes manage up in certain situations and deal with other types of, of just organize. You're, you're in everything. And so today's conversation, um, long windedly, is that we want to talk about what it's like. I mean, I've worked with both of you for a very long time. I'm very curious to hear your perspectives around um, being in that middle management layer and what it's like because the leaders at the very top can't always do it on their own first. And if we wait for them to be like 100% transformed, which by the way, they never will be, um, what are we doing, right? What can we do for our teams? What can we do? And I want to talk about that because most of our viewers and listeners are also not CEOs. We're also just trying to do things the right way so with this that foundational thing laid down maggie um initial thoughts on that like how do you feel do you agree with what i just said and how do you view that yeah um a lot of things came to mind as you were kind of setting that up and i think the first thing that really comes to mind is the the that word like in the middle or that phrase in the middle um feels really relevant which might sound silly because it's obvious but like what I think leaders at the top don't get that leaders in the middle do get is those people at the very bottom feel comfortable coming to us and complaining because we're not in charge, quote unquote, and we didn't make the rule. We're just asked to enforce the rule. 
So then we hear all the negativity we hear when things aren't working. Um, and that can be really hard when you're tasked by your leader to set an example and be positive or roll an initiative out um, correctly. Um, that can be really hard when you're constantly hearing the blowback that the leader above you does not hear because, I mean, just being real, like people don't have the courage to go to the, the very top and, and share that grievance. So that is hard. And just personally for me can like weigh on my attitude, my mindset, and um, I can be swayed more easily. I feel like um, when I'm hearing that negativity um, on a consistent basis and it's not always negative, but sometimes it's positive, which is also great. Um, but I feel like the brunt of people, the brunt of the negativity comes at the people in the middle, just because it feels like you're, you're, you know, reporting to the top a little bit, you're, you're telling someone in authority, but it's not as scary as going all the way up. And so I feel like that's, that's the hardest part. And what I really was thinking about when you were talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think tacking on to that, Maggie, like you made the point that the middle can hear it the most, which just further shows the middle can have the most influence to me. Sure. So we have to be responsible with that, right? We have to be empathetic, but keep the strategy moving forward. Bring those realizations and insights to the lower people. What are the leaders actually going through? Because we do have insight to that. And it is a misuse of our power if we're also not placing that in front of them and providing empathy for a leader and empathy for those that are lower. And so I think just thinking through that kind of point of the middle manager, like you said, Jeff, they touch everybody. So to me, if you know you touch everybody and you have the power and not only do you have the power, but you have the permission from your leaders to impact culture, to try and make change, why not? Why not make it better for people? And I think that's one of the biggest things we hear, you know, in our, our Seneca sessions that we host is, a lot of people are just, well, how do I, how am I expected to do it if my leader isn't? Who cares if the leader isn't? Like, yes, we are in full alignment that it does need to come from the top or true change will not happen in an organization. But start it out. What if that leader needs some help? What if that leader is going through something that you're not aware of? Um, start having those conversations and start making things better for those around you in general. And I think also if we have friends in the organization, why not even just start with your friends if that's how it's easy for you to get your toes wet, you know? And I don't mean, oh, I'm going to help my friend. Girl, you know, we get Chick-fil-A free on Friday. I got an extra coupon for you. Like, that's not moving the needle on your culture, you know? Those types of friendly handouts. That's not what I'm even referring to at all. But just generally trying to make their work environment better for them as a human. Why not? Yeah. Sure. I, I think... Is, is, I, I tread so lightly here. I get scared talking about this because yes, in most cases, when we talk about toxic cultures and problematic cultures, the leaders are at fault. They are the oppressors. They are the ones who need to change. And so I'm, I'm very careful in trying to be clear that like what I, who I'm talking to, I guess my audience for this conversation is just to be clear. Like, you know, if you have problematic leadership or, or leadership that is showing all the wrong behaviors. And especially in the case of like not showing signs of self-awareness, that's one situation. I'm not talking about a situation 
sometimes you are the victim to that type of situation. And there are things you can do, but that's not who I'm really talking to. I think I'm talking to that organization that, you know, maybe your CEO has the right intent and they just lack that self-awareness of what they're actually doing with some of their, their decisions, things like that. Maybe your CEO actually does have self-awareness, but they're just not, you know, they're not getting there yet. Like, I mean, again, as a human, they're on a journey and it's, they're not there yet. Um, there are all these other in-between situations that I think people can and will find themselves in. And we're, I'm talking to those people because I'm in no way saying that like, oh yeah, your leader can be just absolutely terrible and just, just oppressing everybody, but you still have to have a positive attitude. You still have to do, no, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but I'm curious to hear from, from both of you, um, what I feel like I'll give my honest thoughts. I think as we talk about culture, I see it on social media, I see it on all, all this thought leadership. I get the feeling that there's this polarization happening though. Like, see how I just, I just kind of define that gray area of like leaders who are trying, they're not represented out there. I feel like everything out there is leaders got to change. It's your fault. You're the problem. And um, I'll speak from personally, I'm not the top most leader, but as a, as a, as a, as a leader in my position, I often will read those or see those kind of messages and feel guilty. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I don't want to get better. And I want to work, but I sometimes struggle with the thought that everyone who works with me or someone who works for me might still be sitting there going, yeah, you're just one of those. You're like, I'm getting grouped into um, a different category. And again, touchy for me because I get that it is on me for my, for the people who look up to me. Mm -hmm. um, but also I, I am not at the very top. So I, I get that to, I relate to what you were saying earlier, Maggie and, and Chelsea, just about, I hear the negative stuff too, without the consequence of going all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Um, Maggie, again, do you have any thoughts on like this almost like battle, like one side versus the other? Like, like, does it have to be that way? No, um, definitely not. And I, I think, so I'll just talk about like my personal experience. I, I don't know if this is, this holds true across the board, but for me personally, there's been two major things that have like really helped me along in my personal like journey, um, of leadership, of transformation, whatever you want to call it. Um, the first major thing, um, which we talk about a lot, um, is just my attitude, not the attitude of my team, not the attitude of my coworker, um, my personal attitude and uh, perspective on things, because I can't control anyone else's. <laughs> and I have to let that go a lot of times of like, I cannot control if my team wants to be negative about this thing. I can try my darndest but I can only control how I feel about that certain thing. And it also, on the flip side, if my leadership team or my team below me or whoever is really positive about something, I can still feel super negative about it. Um, so what I've realized is my leader cannot have my attitude for me or change my attitude for me. Like I have to decide that, like I have mm. to decide not for really anyone else. And this sounds a little bit selfish, but it, I promise it's not, but I, for myself, like I am the only one miserable if I have a bad attitude. Yeah. It probably like annoys people on your team or your leaders or someone else, but I am only making myself miserable by coming to work, being mad, being upset, being negative. Like that's affecting me at the end of the day. Mm. So I have, I have to really come to that realization of like, 
no, I need to change this around because I deserve to have a better experience at work too, not just, you know, everyone else around me. So that was really transformational for me to realize. Um, and then the second thing that um, has helped a ton is feedback, which we talk about all the time on the show, in the book. Um, but, and I don't mean just like giving feedback to about little things, but being okay with having super uncomfortable conversations with your leaders um, and not necessarily posing them as like, well, someone on my team said, blah, blah, blah. No, like if, if you agree with what they said, take ownership and share it as your own um, and have that conversation as yourself and not just like, well, I'm just the middleman. Like that's kind of an excuse and kind of a shift of blame, basically. Um, have a real conversation. Be like, this is frustrating. Um, I'm a part of this team that you're not a part of talking to your leader. This is frustrating to us as a team. Let's talk about how we can make it better. Um, or and some, and I think Chelsea, or I think Chelsea said, uh, was talking about empathy, um, having, letting your leaders see and showing them the empathy for the people that they don't interact with every single day, like you do. And then on this flip side, helping your team have empathy for the leaders that they don't interact with every day. Cause like y'all have both said, we interact with both of them and that's, Honestly, I feel thankful that I get to work with both sides and see both sides and hear both perspectives. So that personally, again, I don't know if that's going to help for everyone, but that has been my two key things that have really helped me along in my journey. So I love that. You said it beautifully, sister. <laughs> Mindset, attitude, how you communicate it, how you present yourself, your body language, like it all ties together. and. You couldn't have said it better. So I agree. I salute. Um, the thing I guess I would add here too is to me, you know, I, I really focus on the why not, like why not start now? Why wait? You can take action now. How great would it be if you said, I'm taking the dive. I am going to help change the culture around me from up above me and below me. And what if you do position yourself to help that leader take that first step? Like, how great is that? Yeah. You you almost automatically then somehow put yourself in a position to help mentor that leader, someone who is your higher up, who is your VP, like build those relationships, help, help those people, which you know that if you're helping that above you, it's going to naturally be helping those below you as well. Yeah, I have a I have a question in that vein because as as Maggie was talking as you added on, I've just been thinking about myself and my relationship with both of you specifically as well. Um, I'm I'm seeing that like a lot of the hurdles that I used to face or even still face is around the balance of like personal relationships versus like legitimate power, right? Like. Mm -hmm like liking someone, knowing someone, trusting someone at a personal level and all things we talk about at a vulnerable level is really important. Like we've said that to like, till our, you know, ran out of breath in our lungs that like, like trust relationships, vulnerability, key, key, key. Um, but you can't just deny the fact that this legitimate power exists, right? Um, I've been both of your bosses at one point um, in, in history. And I think that that, that's always a dynamic, no matter how close we feel or how, um, you know, what our relationship grows to doesn't change the fact that 
that that power is, dynamic is in play. And so I'm really just kind of wondering, like, and I'll say this because I feel like acknowledging that power, we have overcome it. Some like between Maggie and myself, I don't feel that power dynamic very much at all. And then Chelsea, same thing over time. Jeff, you have no power over me. I know that. Okay, well, I, I was trying to, I was trying to, I was trying to say it politely, but anyways, um, why do you think, like, how do you think we were able to get here? I mean, if you agree that we're here, I mean, again, power is still in play always, but I do feel like just yesterday, um, Chelsea, you were, I mean, you, you gave some feedback to me that I needed to hear. It was hard to hear and you didn't make an event out of it. You gave it, we talked about it you know, I still got to work through it and, you know, address it. But that was a testament to like, and Maggie, you do this all the time. Uh, we, we, not in a bad way, I'm sorry, in a great way. Like, like I would not be able to like move forward and grow without your help. I guarantee you, I would be stagnant. Both of you personally have multiple times shown me how to improve and given me the path forward. And I, I, I don't think other, my point is other leaders out there aren't afforded this benefit. They just, they just aren't. I don't know how I'd do this without you guys. So I'm curious, how did we get here or in your opinion? Chelsea, I'll start with you, I guess. Well, I think part of it has to do with knowing that we have that permission, which everyone doesn't have. So I, I think it is extra scary to people. Like Maggie said, like if you're reaching up in that ivory tower and they have not given you the permission to bring the type of feedback or feelings or suggestions or anything that they may not be welcome to in that sense, it's going to be really hard to deliver and very scary to deliver. But between you and I specifically, and I think for Maggie and I as well, just, just the two of us as coworkers together and friends, that permission has been granted. So it makes things a lot safer and a little bit more comfortable, right? Because the things that we say to each other when we're having these feedback sessions or things go wrong and you know we need to address it because you know maybe feelings have been hurt or we feel someone else was hurt and we want to address it. Um, that permission has to be there. The trust has to be there. And you just have to bring forward your honesty. Um, I think that's really pushed our relationship forward in a very big way. And it takes time, right? And it's it's gonna take time. And like any relationship, it's gonna have its ups and downs, but you do have to work at it. Like, it's just, it's like a relationship or like a marriage. Like it just because you fall in love doesn't mean you're staying in love. We have to keep it up and we have to keep pushing each other. Maggie, before I jump to you really quickly, just on that, if I'm being honest, I think my entire career, I've verbally said I give permission. But if I'm being yeah. honest, I don't think I've actually, I think there's elements to permission that are more than just, hey, I formally opened my door to your feedback. There mm -hmm. are elements in play that have to be demonstrated and proven. And I'm still trying to pinpoint that, but I, I, that, that, that word is important to me. So I just want to point out that I think a lot of people out there in their own self-awareness probably consider themselves giving permission. But I think if people still aren't coming to you, Agreed. That a thousand, really a thousand percent. Yeah. It You cannot send out an email or welcome an employee the first day and say, yo, I got an open door policy. Come to me anytime. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean Back. to walk to me. Okay. That means nada. <laughs> so it is about how you bring it forward. The constant reminder, which sure can be taxing on a leader. Like how many times do I have to say, yo, come to me with anything. 
but you do, you do have to provide those reminders because that, that one mention of it on someone's first day, first week, it does not matter based on your actions, based on you not continuing to give that permission and remind someone that they have it. Absolutely. And that is only one part of it. Right. But I think just to answer your question, like a big part of it for me and you specifically was knowing that I did have that permission to, to bring my full self and not emotions in a like, Oh, I'm coming to you crying, but if I need to, I can, and I can bring my full self to those conversations, which you granted me the permission. So it makes me feel safer. This is very awkward to talk about me like this. Okay, Maggie, sorry. Go back. <laughs> I, I think I agree, Chelsea. And I, I kind of want to flip it on its head just a little bit. Um, what helped me specifically with Jeff and with other leaders um, within Softway, because I, I caught myself a lot of times saying like, oh, well, none of the leaders ever talked to me. Like no one ever, like, like, sorry, Jeff, I'm going to put you on blast, but um just my boss like we don't have one-on-ones like I haven't talked like we had one one one-on-one when I first started I remember and you you said the exact words if you ever need anything just let me know oh yes that's crap and I, I just like, admitted to this like five minutes ago. I don't know what I know, you're going to do. <laughs> I know, and, but it gets better. There's redemption in the story. And so he, I remember that. And then six months go by and I'm like, I don't have a relationship with Jeff at all. Like, and it got to the point where like one stupid thing, and I don't know if Jeff, you remember this, but one stupid thing you said in a group meeting really hurt my feelings because we didn't have that relationship to, for me to be like, oh, I, well, I know Jeff, like he didn't mean it like that. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know you didn't mean it like that. And so at that point, it kind of, I was kind of done like feeling sorry for myself of like, well, Jeff never reaches out to me. Jeff never checks on me and kind of was like, well, do I reach out to Jeff? Do I check on Jeff? Like, do I like try to build a relationship with him? Like why, you know, and I, and that's not just with like leadership in a company. That's true with life too. Like with friends, like if you want to keep up with friends, you don't just wait around for them to reach out to you we all go through different seasons of being able to reach out or not having the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Like a relationship with your boss isn't always going to be 50, 50, like every relationship in life. But mm-hmm. so I think what really changed my perspective was I also have the power to be like, Hey, I put 30 minutes on your calendar just to hang out or just to get to know you. Um, and once I started doing that with not only Jeff, but with Mo and with Chris and Frank, um, it made those doors that were open before just feel a lot easier to walk through because they weren't so far away, if that makes sense. Um, they were much, much closer. And I had that access to be able to, and that foundation of relationship of like, I never want to be that person. That's like, the only time you see me is when I'm giving you negative feedback. Like I want to like also get to know you as a human. So that I think, yeah, that's what I have to say. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna cry because <laughs> literally, like, <laughs> I, I, I remember you're absolutely right, um, and that's something I still to this day struggle with in terms of when I lead, am I giving enough people space and supporting people? Like, I'm not succeeding in all accounts on that, but I remember our first conversation after that six month thing. 
And I, I, I think of it so fondly. It's truly such an important moment as, as insignificant as it is like on paper. Um, it, it didn't just platform like our relationship, but it platformed my awareness as well, because, you know, couple of meetings about nothing platformed into meetings where you gave me some harsh feedback. You gave me some stuff I needed to hear and stuff that, and then you needed help. And I, and, and, you know, like it started so many parts of our story as, as coworkers and friends and, and all that, that, that are important to me. So you to go back there now was pretty cool. I think, um, yeah, I just feel kind of warm and fuzzy about it. <laughs> Look at us now. Oh, love you guys. <laughs> And I'll no. tell you, actually, um, the person who encouraged me to do this was Chelsea, because oh, Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea, um, way back when I first started, she trained me. Like I worked right below Chelsea for about six months, about that time period where I was frustrated that I wasn't hearing from Jeff. Um, and I, I constantly her reminders of like, well, why don't you throw one on one on his calendar? I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. He should do that. <laughs> Uh, and she's like, all right, well, I'll talk to him, but like, I think you should still do it. And, um, just her encouragement and her like example that she set, like, that's, I think that's where I learned it. So kudos to Chelsea. Thank you, Maggie. (laughs) I forgot about that, but it sounds like something I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I didn't intend for this conversation to become me as the upper more more leader and oppressor but it is true and it is um it is a reality of of how we got here and but it's been like the theme of this conversation has shifted for me personally because i do not i guess i didn't come to this episode thinking this but i just cannot imagine where i'd be today without all the little bits of what make just our relationships me and you chelsea me and you maggie like what they are today. So it's not about the relationship. It's like literally my development and my growth is tied to these little stories we have and these little interactions that we had that could have gone very differently. Um, and so that decision you made to come talk to me, Chelsea, you giving her that advice, like those things, these tiny little butterfly effects that are so important to me. And I can't help but connect that back to, you know, leaders who don't have that. Um, I think, I think it's one thing speaking from what I'm hearing and feeling right now, it's like, you have to step one, always have that self-awareness and recognize it, but you can only do so much without help. And in these cases, like for instance, with Maggie, like your first six months, terrible of me, but I was not self-aware that I was doing that. Like to me, we still passed by in the halls or we in group meetings. So you had enough interactions. And I thought that, you know, I was being friendly enough and all these excuses but it just wasn't reality. And I would not have seen that unless someone actually just told me, which eventually he did, right? Mm-hmm. So I just can't stress enough how, I'm not trying not to make it about me, I hate this, uh, but, just, <laughs> but, but it, it, well, I think it's an important lesson. And just like from that, like, and to go back to like kind of that middle management layer, like when people on your team are expressing to you grievances about those that are above you, you can hear it. You can hear it in, in their voice and in the way that they talk about it. They don't have a relationship with that person. And a lot of times it's like, well, I never hear from them or I don't, you know, the only time I see them is in a review meeting and they're giving me harsh feedback. Um, and I, I do take that time to remind them, like, you have the power to put a 30 minute one-on-one on their calendar. 
at any time and they'll make time for it. Like, it's not like they're going to blow you off, at least in our organization. <laughs> I don't know about others, but, um, and it's just, we talk about empathy a lot here and having empathy for others. And it's a heck of a lot easier to empathize with someone if you know a little bit about them and you know a little bit about how they think or even what they're struggling with at the current time. Like it, it goes a long way, I think. So. Yes. You're tapping into one of our Seneca quotes we use. What is it, Jeff? Um, there's no one you can't love once you know their story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it took me director. a, it took me a long time to actually believe that. Honestly, I sat through so many Seneca sessions and I was like, I can think of this person that I don't like, and I know their story, <laughs> but in the right context, in the right mindset, even if someone at work is a jerk, right? You, if you know some of that story behind their life, maybe behind an upbringing, a simple one story you could hear, you can gain a little bit more empathy for them for sure. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that doesn't even mean you're like going to become that person's best friend, but maybe it just grants you a little bit more patience for them than you would have had the day before, which could go a long way. Agreed. And I, and I, I, I just feel like, again, going back to that statement about the polarization out in the world around these topics, I think the reality that I've seen in talking to people and seeing that very, very rarely are people like ever coming to work with just the intent of being a jerk, making someone's life hard we almost universally all come to try to do a good job, move our work forward, our business forward, or at least our careers forward, do a good job. And no one wants to fight, bicker, get at each other or feel certain, like none of that is ever in our intent. So it must be something relational that's in the way, right? Like if we all have the same intent, that's one of the things I can trust most about you guys. Like you have a bad day, I know where your intent still is. That's where the relationship comes in. And that's where, if the, the lowest level employees in, in that sense are going to have one perspective of, they're gonna draw their own conclusions and then paint their own pictures and their stories. And they're gonna be upset about it and they have every right to, that's how it ends up working. But I'm, I'm, I'm constantly inspired by relationships in my life and things that I see that paint a picture of a workplace where that empathy that you guys talked about can be extended further and deeper and farther and wider where we have that trust of intent for each other and we have that um we have that real relationship starting to build earlier and throughout the organization i can dream right i'm a dreamer <laughs> dream big honey yeah um well i asked you guys to join for 30 minutes i've now taken you over by 10 minutes so <laughs> thank you so much first of all for this conversation i genuinely genuinely had a really enlightening and great conversation together uh, and i'm happy that i got to record it because this would have been a great conversation. this is one i would have loved to have even privately but we got to get it on get it on air so enjoy that um, but thank you maggie for joining us thank you chelsea so much for being here today thank you thank for you for having me and thank you to the listeners as always um this was amazing for me so i don't know if you got a lot out of it but if you did let us know and and reach out. Um, we've been um, hoarding some extra books that we can be giving away. So you know what? If you're listening, come reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can find me, uh, Jeff Ma, obviously, you know my name. Um, look for me love is, through Love as a Business Strategy as well. Come reach out to me. Send a connection. Send me a message. Tell me you heard the podcast. Tell me you want a book. I I will make this happen. So if you're listening right now, I'm putting that out there in the world. 
Um, yeah, check it out. So I'm, I'll stop telling you to go check out our book. I'll get you a book. Okay. Um, other than that, subscribe, rate our podcast, tell your friends. And with that, we'll see you all next week.